Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles Episode 3. On this episode, we're going to discuss the possibility of the world being a holographic simulation. The theory that the conscious world we all experience in so-called reality is not real at all goes back through history a lot farther than one would think, growing even more prominent in modern times thanks to quantum physics. So, the holographic universe theory has gone from mystic ramblings and superstition to mainstream scientific acceptance in the span of 200 years, since the first double-slit experiment, which proved matter doesn't act how we think it should. And the double-slit experiment has only gotten more sophisticated, today's science proving the same thing it did back in the day, about the hidden true nature of reality. Physicists from all circles have been coming to strange conclusions concerning the mathematics that form the building blocks of our material world. Is it really possible we all live in the Matrix? Let's find out. I'm your host, Tim Hacker. You're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The universe simulation theory has been taken seriously by philosophers for not only centuries, but millennia. And in recent times, living in a virtual reality without knowing it is also taken seriously by scientists. Even now, physicists are conducting tests on the question, do we live in a universal matrix? Humans already have the ability to create incredible simulations. Modern sandbox video games seem really realistic in simulating our cities. The people inside the video games seem to go about their daily life with purpose, like places to be, people to see, things to do, just like in real life. There's traffic, there's ever-changing weather, and all the noises and sounds that emulate the real world. To create such an abstract illusion isn't easy, even with modern computer gaming technology. To save resources and keep the games running smoothly, the gaming hardware will only focus in on where that player is, rendering only what that player is looking at with the in-game camera. If you're not familiar with what a sandbox game is, it means it's an open world. Open world meaning you can travel freely wherever you wish, with little to no load time. But when the gamer stops looking at something with the in-game camera, the pixels resolution, or any visual quality whatsoever drops immensely, sometimes to nothing at all, the majority of simulated objects inside the game vanishing completely. So the reality of these simulated game worlds is only there if the player is actually looking at it. In many of these games, the player can fly up high into the sky, miles in the air, and look down at the simulated city from above. The metropolis as lively as any real city from an aerial view. But this is an illusion, because the visual quality from such a height is dramatically reduced. Yeah, it looks like a city with the game's graphics seeming pretty awesome. 
but the models and textures need little resources of the gaming hardware to serve the illusion to the gamer because of the vast distance from the viewed objects. The further an object is away in these games, the less detail it needs to seem realistic. For example, a car would need way more resources up close than far away because there's much more detail. And once the gamer turns away from looking at that car, its visual quality instantly turns to crap. And if the gamer moves on from the car, creating enough distance, it most likely vanishes from the game world completely. Gaming hardware only focuses on sending its resources to what the gamer is directly looking at in-game for visual quality, effectively only expending resources where they are needed to keep the simulation immersive and realistic to the gamer. In-game, the gamer's direct line of sight creates the illusion of the world around the gamer's avatar. The modern gaming industry makes games this way because it's what makes the crisp, gorgeous graphics we're all used to even possible. This is what keeps the game world running smoothly and efficiently. And in any game, there can be glitches. Glitches that can, in some ways, mirror our world. The old-school double-slit experiment is the origin of everything weird in quantum physics. The experiment's based off of the normal behavior of particles, which are little balls of matter. Randomly shooting light particles through a slit opening creates a certain pattern beyond the slit. This experiment can be conducted with any type of particle wave, like uh, sound, water, light, etc. And solid particles, like uh, little Nerf balls shooting out. Shooting through a single slit, these particles form a predictable pattern. But if you add a second slit, something weird happens. Logic would suggest the pattern beyond the two slits from the projected particles should be as predictable as a single slit. Instead, an interference pattern is created. Imagine a handful of stones being tossed into water, creating small ripple effects all interacting with one another. The waves that meet at the top or bottom of another wave cancel each other out. Quantum, though, with an electron, um, a wee-wee tiny piece of matter, it creates predictable pattern. But after adding a second slit, it also creates an interference pattern, just like waves of particles. Solid pieces of matter acting like particle waves of matter doesn't make sense. The electron is not a wave. Shooting solid matter through two slits on a non-quantum level creates two predictable patterns beyond the slits. So at the quantum level, when you shoot matter through two slits, it should have the same predictable pattern beyond the slits. But it doesn't. Normally, when you shoot particles of solid matter through two slits, it creates a predictable pattern beyond the slits. It's not a wave, so it cannot create an interference wave. Makes sense. But when you go to the quantum level and you shoot solid matter through two slits, it creates an interference pattern like the matter was wave energy. Scientists then shoot electrons one at a time through the double slits, literally making an interference pattern impossible. But defying reality, the electrons once again create an interference pattern, proving the laws of physics to be more of a suggestion than any real laws. Many scientists who have conducted this test conclude that the electrons split mid-air, each piece of the electron going through a different slit to interfere with itself a single electron creating its own interference pattern. 
which doesn't make sense mathematically because it states the electrons go through both slits and neither of the slits at the same time. It goes through one of the slits or it goes through the other. Using math to explain the electron's behavior adds up to making no sense whatsoever. It's like mathematically the electron was to do all the possible outcomes at once. Physicists have never been able to find a way to explain the electron's behavior. Well, at least by using the laws of physics we know. So they look even closer to try and explain the anomaly, using a device to measure the path of the electrons and which slit they actually go through. Basically like looking at the electron directly through a microscope. There logically had to be something that they were missing to explain the impossible. They just had to see closer and directly. Then everything would make sense. But when actually viewed, the electrons broke the scientists' brains. The electrons broke into band patterns beyond the slits, not wave interference patterns like before. Looking directly at and measuring the electron changed its behavior to act in a way that worked within the scientists' laws of physics and understanding of matter, proving that electrons act differently if they're being looked at by a conscious being. Like a gaming console that's aware of what's being looked at, it renders what should be seen and is expected to be seen by the gamer. When the scientists perform the experiment again, but this time without the electrons being viewed and measured directly, guess what happens? The electrons go right back to making interference patterns beyond the slits. So just like modern video games, matter formed in reality based off of what was being looked at. So any photon or electron has no real location in space-time until it is observed in some way. At least that's the logical conclusion to those physicists who subscribe to the observer effect, but any other conclusion really doesn't make any sense. Quantum physics suggests particles spend more time in a malleable ghost-like state, lacking basic human understanding of location, existing everywhere and nowhere all at once. It's not until measured or observed does matter take on a definitive form or location. Quantum mechanics making our reality seem more and more like a video game, saving resources by only rendering into reality any clarity of physical matter if it is necessary because it's being viewed. This also means that matter somehow communicates with itself at insanely fast speeds beyond comprehension, instantly knowing how, when, and where to form into solid matter. And that's basically across all space-time. This very much defies the laws of physics. But not if you're looking. Most physicists look at this like a black box. It can be good at predictions, but will make people go crazy if they try and make sense of it. Because even the quantum physicists don't understand how quantum mechanics work. But they say it works, even if the interpretations are elusive to them. So it seems like the fundamental nature of reality may not be physical at all, and that life's more like a video game than we could ever guess. Our world may be some ineffable simulation, a holographic universe. It's pretty insane and amazing, all the objective scientific facts on the subject. That an electron's fundamental nature changes when it's being looked at or measured is mind-blowing. In physics, this is named the measurement problem. 
The electrons collapse from a waveform becoming a particle in an objective location within space-time, what we call reality. In physics, this is called collapsing the waveform, which concludes scientifically that electrons, that is the understanding and basis of what we call physical reality or physical solid matter, actually only becomes a solid particle or solid physical matter when a conscious being is looking at it. Not just sentient, but conscious, which means, yeah, it's confusing. Basically anything that's alive. Otherwise, the electron turns into waveform, which has no solidity whatsoever. Only coming out of waveform in specific locations in space-time when under observation, which basically means the natural state of the physical world isn't physical at all, but vibrational waves of energy. Still, popping in and out of existence based off conscious observation is not just electrons. Dr. Jeffrey Satinover of Yale University says, and I quote, There's almost nothing to matter whatsoever. It's completely insubstantial, empty. An atom seems to be a hardball, but not really. It's this tiny point of dense matter right at the center surrounded by a fluffy probability cloud of electrons popping in and out of existence. But then it turns out that isn't even right. Even the nucleus, which we think of as so dense, pops in and out of existence just as readily as the electrons do. End quote. So the nucleus too. Whole atoms and molecules only solid particle form if being looked at. Or I guess maybe interacted with in other senses too. I mean, the ground's still solid to a blind person, so... But otherwise, any solid matter is just in waveform. It's energy, just like the resources of a video game console, only rendering into view what is directly in front of the person who is playing that game. There's no doubt humans love to create simulations. Our love of games and immersive distractions are never going to go away. They're really just going to become more and more sophisticated and abstract, eventually to the point where simulations and reality will be hard to tell apart. And most likely, people within these simulations will eventually create simulations within the simulations. And on and on and on and on, blurring what it means to be real. The fine-tuning theory states that there's just too many coincidences in the universe for sentient life to even exist. It states there must be some kind of fine-tuning in order for us to have the opportunity to come into being in the first place. With quantum mechanics hinting, it requires living beings to form the universe into solid matter through interaction. So not only are the coincidences for life to exist overwhelming and ridiculous, but it also requires life to bring solidity to the illusion. Albert Einstein once said, and I quote, Reality is just an illusion, albeit a very consistent one. End quote. It seems the more our civilization advances scientifically, the more these words have weight. And that's within mainstream science, not even fringe science. Dr. Sylvester J. Gates, a University of Maryland physics professor, who was awarded a National Science Foundation medal for his work in string theory, got the global scientific community's attention by finding computer coding in the mathematic equations that are the foundation and the building blocks that make up the material world. Others, too, finding similarities in his work that could be analogous to the mathematical coding that makes the internet work. The physicist Dr. Gates even going on to be interviewed by Neil deGrasse Tyson in the mainstream media. 
video of the interview will be in the show notes if you want to check it out. And it's pretty funny to see Neil deGrasse Tyson's mind blown. Dr. Gates even continues his research till this day on supersymmetry and string theory. His research earning him the National Medal of Science and the Mendel Medal. His scientific genius even earning him the appointment to former President Obama's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology. Another subscriber to the holographic universe theory is Elon Musk, investor, engineer, inventor, billionaire philanthropist, who was ranked as the 80th wealthiest person alive, as well as the 21st on the Forbes list of the most powerful people in the world. Elon Musk is known for his many organizations aimed to better the world and humanity as a whole. He uses his vast wealth and business finesse to push his goal of human colonization of Mars. One of his main goals to be to end the possibility of human extinction. I personally think that Elon Musk is freaking awesome, and you should check him out. He's been an open supporter of the simulation hypothesis to counter the Fermi paradox, named after physicist Enrico Fermi which is a paradox affirming the contradiction of evidence versus high-probability estimates given by the Drake equation for the existence of extraterrestrial civilizations. The Fermi paradox stating that the lack of alien interaction with Earth considering the billions of stars similar to our own sun in the universe, many of which are billions of years older than Earth, defies logic, and asks the question, Where's the cosmic community? Through calculations, it was concluded that even at humanity's slow pace of interstellar ambitions, our Milky Way galaxy could be completely traversed and charted in a couple million years, with the possibility of discovering alien civilizations insanely high considering the estimated life-sustaining planets and solar systems similar to our own in the galaxy. The Fermi Paradox blatantly asks, Where is everyone? According to Musk, the holographic universe hypothesis perfectly makes sense of the paradox. Though, to me, the Fermi paradox seems arrogant and simplistic, but I'm no scientist. And Elon Musk entertains the idea without a lick of dogmatic devotion. Musk saying the lack of alien interaction with us is maybe they just simply study us, watching how we develop like a petri dish in a lab. Or that there are just a whole lot of dead one-planet civilizations in the galaxy. Elon Musk said this, and I quote, If you look at our current technology level, something strange has to happen to civilizations. And I mean strange in a bad way. End quote. When asked if the possibility of the universe is a hologram as a negative thing, Musk said it wasn't a bad thing at all. It proved sentient beings avoided extinction and are more advanced beyond imagination. But Musk's opinion is a little bit more material-based. Others who champion the theory are more spiritually inclined, based off the facts that matter, molecules, atoms, and pretty much all the building blocks of the material universe are 99% empty, and that everything at its base core is energy, pure vibrational energy. Solid matter, just an illusion, which science proves it kind of is. And that according to the religious or spiritually inclined, the holographic universe literally changes nothing, other than maybe giving the more mysterious theories on the world a little bit more validity. 
British philosopher, writer, and speaker Alan Watts once said, and I'm not quoting, I'm just summarizing it greatly, like it's it's really chopped down. Your God. Anything you think is born into existence. Eventually you get bored. So you dream yourself as experiencing amazing adventure without your godlike powers. But you'll know you'll be okay. You know it's a dream. There's nothing to be scared of. But after a while, you get bored of that too. So inevitably, as God, you go on to the real rush. You go into the dream and forget it's a dream with no knowledge of your true nature. Now there's the rush. There's the real deal. Visceral and exciting every time. Then you do more and more, being more and more. The Hindus believe that the world has got at play. Everything in existence just an extension of God, including all the demigods, divas, or lowercase gods, and humans, as well as any living thing in the world. The centipede doesn't have to think to move its massive amounts of legs. The legs always function in harmony with the centipede. Now, I'm no expert on Alan Watts or any of his work, but this is kind of like what I took from that. He was saying the universe is merely the mind of God, and each of us is an avatar of him in his dream, where God loses himself or herself by living subjectively through us, or I guess any other entities or creatures on the planet too. To me, the philosopher's theory is in sync with the holographic simulated reality, but changes nothing. And I'm no disciple of Alan Watts. I just like some of his work and found this bit to kind of go with what we're talking about. It's an interesting thought experiment, nonetheless. Some people are resistant to the holographic universe theory, thinking it removes purpose because it would make them as a pointless NPC, which means non-player character in someone else's video game, basically taking it as they're not real and nothing about them matters. But those people don't stop to think of the possibility that there are no NPCs, we're all player characters. Neil deGrasse Tyson once jokingly said in an interview that he was all about the simulated universe, and that reality was entertainment for just some snot-nosed alien kid living in his parents' basement, playing a character in our world, causing disruption or whatever just for fun. This is obviously a more cynical view, and he wasn't serious when he said that. It's basically saying people aren't real, nothing and nobody matters, and all existence as we know it is a throwaway form of entertainment for some unknown or unseen alien entities. And that's a pretty dark way to look at it. But when you think about it, it's all just really speculation for now. It could be anything. Some people entertain the idea that our world is an ancestor simulator, and we're living in a far-gone age. Perhaps in the future, life is so easy and boring because of our advancement in technology, coming back and living in this age is like a theme park. Like our world is a historical role-playing game or something. Living out entire lives in moments with other players. If you've ever seen the TV show Rick and Morty, the simulated universe is referenced by their two characters going into an alien arcade and the young Morty playing a virtual reality game where he lives an entire lifetime. In his mind, it being as real as it could possibly be, 
but in reality, it just took moments. And when he comes out of the game, he's confused, thinking he's still the character in that game. He asks where his wife is, and he's disorientated. The whole thing's a nice jab at the holographic universe theory. But despite all the crazy scientific breakthroughs concluding our world has more in common with the Matrix than we could have ever guessed, it's still impossible for everyday people to see the alleged real nature of the universe. Many supposedly scientific facts that have been proven wrong are still taught in our education systems today. To the everyday person, it's only possible to keep up if they seek it out themselves. And just like the Matrix, reality is concluding to be totally different from what it's perceived to be in normal everyday life. Not only in thanks towards quantum mechanics and physicists, but innumerable researchers from across the world. Are we sure what reality truly is? Is it only the things we can comprehend? Because the mechanics of universal forces are far beyond human comprehension, and much of the evidence for the holographic universe comes from the quantum world, which much of what we know consists of things far smaller than the human eye could ever see. Physicist Juan Maldacena, back in 1997, theorized gravity arises from thin, vibrating strings that exist in nine dimensions of space and another time, and that real life exists in a universe that actually doesn't even have gravity. You see, a hologram is a 2D image. It comes from a flat surface being projected to create the illusion of a 3D image. Maldacena's theory on gravity basically concludes to the same holographic principles. But even with a lot of compelling evidence, the holographic universe is not a proven fact. Though the wacky quantum experiments and their outcomes that led up to the theory are very, very true. I actually hope it's never proven true. And I don't really think it will anyway, not anytime soon at least. But it would confirm that there are many planes of reality that humans are oblivious to, because a 3D hologram requires a 2D surface to project from. Even though it would be hilarious that there's a 2D plane like Paper Mario of everyone. But I might lose interest if it was ever proven. I'm mostly interested in the mysteries. But there's enough evidence many people have embraced the holographic universe wholeheartedly, for better or for ill. There's tons out there that believe we're in the Matrix. When we come back, it'll be time to get weird. There's even stranger glitches in the Matrix. Are we living in a computer program? You're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. Listeners, Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes as well as all popular podcast apps and web hosts. Or please visit us at crypticchroniclespodcast.com for full content. Send us an email. We would love to hear from you. Join us on our social media to keep updated. And thanks for supporting the show. Please leave us a good review on iTunes to help grow the podcast. But most of all, thanks for listening.
All right, we're back. So online, there's tons of stories and videos on so-called glitches in the Matrix, which many claim explains supernatural occurrences and stranger-than-fiction happenings far more normal than most people think. The coding found in the mathematical equations that form the building blocks of our world in no subtle way suggests that there's a lot more to everything that we humans just can't see. Throughout all human history, when uh, people haven't understood something, they usually label it as supernatural in some way. Humanity's fears driving them out of an instinct for survival. And there's no older or primal fear than the unknown. And over the course of our history, many things that in the past were considered supernatural have become mere science. But no matter what humans figure out, there's always more questions made. And there's always more to discover, and there's always weirder anomalies. The Mandela Effect, for example, is one such anomaly. Many have concluded that the Mandela Effect is because of a simulated reality or an overlapping parallel universe. If you're unfamiliar with the Mandela Effect, it's a memory anomaly a fraction of the population allegedly suffer from. It's named after Nelson Mandela. Because the first group of people suffering this perplexing phenomena claim they all remember Nelson Mandela dying in the 80s. The people who claim he did die swear by it so earnestly the Mandela effect was born. The cases of people remembering more alternate histories only grew over time in the digital age. Here's some documented Mandela effects. Let's see if they blow your brain up. So the movie Forrest Gump. There's a ton of people out there who remember Forrest Gump saying, Life is like a box of chocolates. But if you watch the movie, the line is, Life was like a box of chocolates. Yet tons of people claim the current line is wrong. The line they heard back in the day when they first watched the movie was, Life is like a box of chocolates. Not life was like a box of chocolates. Another Mandela effect is from the James Bond movie, Moonraker, where the villain Jaws crashes a lift and runs into the young woman Dolly as he leaves the wreckage. The two form an instant love connection. Mandela effect sufferers claim the reason the connection is so instantaneous was because Jaws smiled at her with his intimidating teeth, but Dolly didn't get scared. Instead, Dolly smiles back, revealing a mouthful of braces. Mirroring Jaws' own metal grill. But if you watch Moonraker currently, Dolly has no braces on her teeth. She smiles and it's just normal pearly whites. And this isn't modern re-release editing. If you watch the ancient VHS tapes that it was originally released on, Dolly still doesn't have braces in them. Yet thousands of people remember it differently. People belligerently swear by this saying it was the whole reason why the scene even made sense in the first place. And the James Bond Moonraker movie was very popular back in the day, popular enough to have commercials referencing it. And in these ancient commercials, Jaws walks up to customer service teller, just like in the movie when he goes up to Dolly and smiles. But in the commercial, the girl smiles back and she has braces. Creepy. Another Mandela effect is the famous statue, The Thinker which depicts a nude male figure sitting on a rock, his chin resting on one hand as if in deep thought. 
This Mandela effect is interesting because there's two different versions that people swear by. The first is the thinker resting his chin on the knuckles of a closed fist. The second is the thinker's fingers rubbing up against the forehead. But if you look at the thinker today, or search for images of the famous statue online, the thinker's hand is supporting the chin with fingers outstretched pointing towards the neck. The most bizarre thing about this Mandela effect is, because it's a public tourist attraction, many people have pictures of themselves taken in front of the statue. And when people have pictures taken of themselves in front of statues, they usually pose like the statue is posing. When Mandela Effect sufferers came forth with pictures they took in front of the statue, something chilling became apparent. The statue looked exactly like it does today, fingers out pointing towards the neck while supporting the chin. The people in the picture, though, they're either posed with the closed fist supporting the chin, or rubbing the forehead, basically in the pose that they claim the statue used to have. How are people going to screw up the pose of the statue for the picture when they're literally standing right in front of it? It's like a whole nother level of incompetence. Or somebody who's just really dumb or, I don't know, needs glasses? I don't know, I just know it doesn't make sense. Yeah, the only real answers I can think of is complete incompetence or something weird's going on. There's really a lot of Mandela effects. Like people remembering the Monopoly guy having a monocle. But he doesn't. Curious George having a tail. But he doesn't. Pikachu having a black dot at the tip of the tail. But Pikachu doesn't have a black dot on his tail. A Sinbad genie movie from the 90s. But there isn't one. Mirror, mirror on the wall being changed to magic mirror on the wall. Then there's the Bible passage, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Never existed. Instead, it's the wolf will lay down with the lamb. But you can still Google images of lions laying down with lambs, just like the original way people remember the Bible verse. Sometimes the old school Flintstones cartoon is spelt without a T, as the Flintstones. And then sometimes it's back to the Flintstones. Looney Tunes spelt like as in tunes in music, T-U-N-E-S, instead as tunes, T-O-O-N-S, which makes sense because they're cartoons. There's two Star Wars ones, like the infamous Luke, I am your father line, and C-3PO having a silver leg. You know, I could go on and on with these Mandela effects. There's just so many. If any of these mess with your head, guess what? You could be experiencing a glitch in the Matrix. You should check out the documented Mandela effects, if only for the brain farts. At first, I thought people were just remembering stuff wrong because memory is a lot less consistent or accurate than people give it credit for. But then I ran into some I just couldn't wrap my head around. It was pretty entertaining. And the one concerning the thinker statue with all the pictures that you can Google and look at is pretty trippy. Think about the scene in The Matrix where Neo sees the black cat walk by two times and says, Whoa, deja vu. Then Morpheus puts everyone on alert, telling Neo that deja vu is a glitch in The Matrix when a programmer alters something in the coding of the world. In their case, turning all the windows they could escape from into brick walls. Many Mandela Effect researchers claim that that's basically what's happening. Someone or something is editing history, and a small amount of the population remembers an alternate timeline from before. 
sometimes when they view things, giving them the feeling, something's not right here. Some Mandela Effect researchers even go further, saying it could be overlapping timelines or overlapping dimensions and even time travelers screwing with history. But in every situation, it's always a small amount of the population that remembers the alternate timeline, or how stuff used to be, pretty much rejecting the changes like the uncanny valley when they see them. But it's not just the Mandela effect. Many researchers propose that all supernormal occurrences are from these glitches, or editing of the program that regulates the simulated reality we all live in from ghosts to aliens to anything in between. Though I think that explaining everything away as glitches is kind of limiting. And Mandela Effect sufferers earnest without remorse in their belief that history is changing. There is even weirder stuff than the Mandela Effect concerning the holographic universe theory, like even freakier glitches in the world, such as people having the same dream, People being seen in two places at the same time by many witnesses on both sides. There's even a story of a man who woke up in a completely different life than what his memory recalled. Basically waking up to an alien world and everybody who knew him in his life thinking he was nuts. A creepy orange doll that was always there even though it had been disposed of many times. Always somehow reappeared at its owner's house. A dozen eggs reappearing in the fridge after being cooked just like they were never eaten. Tales of people walking and all of a sudden being somewhere else. They teleported or something. Or my favorite, a man supposedly calling in sick two seconds before he walked into his work seeing the co-worker claiming he just called in sick. The man obviously creeped out because he didn't call in sick at all. The co-worker equally creeped out because he was just talking to his co-worker two seconds before on the phone who just called in sick. But they're the same guy. It's like an alternate version of the guy called in sick. But the most interesting stories are the ones about people who shouldn't even exist. Like the Green Children of Woolpit, two children found by villagers in the UK during the 12th century. The children had a green tint to their skin and spoke an unknown language that was never identified despite much effort. At first, the two refused to eat any food other than beans. But eventually, they did eat normal food, and after a while of eating normal food, the green tint of their skin eventually faded, switching to a more normal, healthy human pigment. Sadly, the boy of the two kids was sickly, and he died. But the girl survived, and she eventually learned how to speak English. The girl said that they were from an underground world of green twilight where the sun never shone. She said before they disappeared from the other world of twilight, they were outside doing family chores. And then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she heard a really loud noise, and poof. The next moment, the two kids were in the area where the villagers first found them. Obviously, to this day, the children's origins remain unsolved. Another awesome tale of someone who should not have existed and is pretty much confirmed to be true is The Man from Torrid. It's another weird tale that's well documented of someone who shouldn't exist. Back in 1954, he entered the Tokyo airport, and as is the regulations on international travel, he was asked for his passport. But when he handed it over, the Japanese airport workers were pretty perplexed. Security was called immediately, and the man was quickly taken away for questioning. The airport security analyzed the man's passport, which originated from a country that didn't exist. 
When asked to point out his homeland on a map, the man grew agitated. He pointed at the map, saying it was wrong, and that his country of Tered was in a spot no such country was labeled on the map. Much like all of us probably would, the man grew manic and agitated when he was told that his country didn't exist. The mysterious foreigner exclaimed that Tored had existed for over a thousand years. And seeing how he was being looked at, the man grew more and more withdrawn and untrusting from the Japanese security. The man's passport was completely legit other than being from a non-existent country. Even having legal stamps upon the passport from other airports known to the Japanese workers. The mysterious man also having legal and modern money on him from European countries. A driver's license from the unknown nation and even a checkbook with lots of fiscal number-keeping from a non-existent bank. Basically everything on him backed up his story, other than the country of Tered not existing. This confused the Japanese security a lot. It was baffling, the seemingly legitimate belongings, passport, and identification. The man was sent to a hotel under heavy guard until the whole thing was sorted out. But the next day, the man vanished without a trace. And not only was he under heavy guard, but the only other way out than the front door was the 15-story high window from his room, which had no ledge and no ladder and was right above a really busy street. An attempt at escape through the window would not only be fatal, but impossible to do without being noticed considering the busy populated area he was in. The man of Tourette was never found and never seen again. One of the theories is the guy was from another dimension. A lot of believers in the holographic universe think that it was a glitch in the Matrix, and that the man from Tered was just remnants of a code being deleted, the country of Tered being edited out of existence. However, I do find it strange that there's nothing on the man from Tered's belongings after he vanished. Like that all his belongings vanished with him, or is all his stuff locked up somewhere in some vault? But no matter what anyone decides to believe about the man from Tered, it's definitely a cool story. There's more of these stories about people who shouldn't have existed. I just wanted to share these two I found most interesting. From what I could find researching, they're totally true. And screw with people's heads till this day as well as probably well into the future. The two kids with the green-tinted skin make me think of Journey to the Center of the Earth. As a kid, I had dreams of being an explorer and was kind of bummed out when I grew up and was told everything's already been found. When that teacher told me there was nothing left to explore, it really bummed me out. But the green children of Woolpit helped my fantasy of exploring grow, except instead of exploring the world, there's a whole nother frontier to explore within the world. While researching people who shouldn't exist, I came across a lot of stories that were pretty interesting, but after digging deeper, it just was obvious that it was a hoax. Like a doctor from the 1800s appearing in New York and getting hit by a car and being inspected, and upon inspection, he has a bunch of stuff from the 1800s on him. And then that cop researched this guy only to find this doctor disappeared in the 1800s. I got really into this one, but turned out to be a hoax. Bunch of BS. The whole story originated in a sci-fi magazine from the turn of the century. I also came across a lot of pictures of people who seem out of place in time, like either from the modern day or the future, but who were in black and white pictures from a long time ago. There's also a woman from a vintage Charlie Chaplin movie who looks like she's talking on a cell phone. But then again, hearing aids didn't exist back then. People use these little horn things to put up to their ear to hear better, so it could be that, but 
it does look like she's talking to somebody and nobody's around her and she's walking fast. There's a strong theme of things that are slightly off as a gut feeling concerning the supposed glitches in the Matrix. Like judging a book by its cover, everything seems normal, but something's off. Sometimes the person witnessing the glitch just can't put their finger on it, but they know something's wrong. And then sometimes it's just blatantly obvious that something weird's going down. I kept on dismissing a lot of these glitch tales while researching interesting weird stuff, but then I kept on remembering the double slit test, and though not proven, the legit scientific research giving evidence to the holographic universe theory, and the mathematic coding that was discovered to be in the very building blocks of the material world, from genetics to subatomic particles. It all only made the chronicles of glitches in the Matrix more interesting. So what do you think? Is it possible we're all living in some kind of Matrix? Physicist Nick Herbert says, and I quote, This means that the world behind our back, where we are not looking and cannot observe, is always a radically ambiguous and ceaselessly flowing cosmic soup. End quote. That was Nick Herbert talking about the nature of reality based off quantum physics research. He would go on to talk about that everything any of us see in our everyday life is not nearly as real as it seems to our physical eyes according to science. If you put a brain in a jar, but of course keep it alive, then transmit electrical signals of a setting, the images, smells, sounds, all from a computer into the sensory centers of our brain with electrodes, with pre-recorded data for regulation and context, then that brain in a jar would experience reality just like we do. In reality, the basis for the material universe is thoughts. All the synapses and electrical impulses in the brain working together at once in an instantaneous harmony. And according to Stanford University's neurophysiologist Carl Pribram, and I quote, Our uncanny ability to quickly retrieve whatever information we need from the enormous storehouse of our memories becomes more understandable if the brain functions according to holographic principles. One of the most amazing things about the human thinking process is that every piece of information seems instantly cross-correlated with every other information, another feature intrinsic to the hologram. End quote. All is matter. Matter instantly communicating with itself far beyond comprehension. Matter is inherently wave energy unless viewed or interacted with, only then becoming solid particles viewable and tangible in the physical world. So we and everything in the universe is made of mostly formless matter. It's empty, vibrational wave energy, just like a hologram. <laughs> trippy. Keith Floyd, psychologist at Virginia Intermont College, states, and I quote, If reality is nothing but a holographic illusion, then the physical brain does not produce consciousness. Rather, it is consciousness that creates the appearance of the brain, as well as the body and everything around us that we interpret as physical. Even random events would thus be based on holographic principles and therefore determined. End quote. To many researchers, understanding this makes the supernormal metaphysical aspects of synchronicity make sense. Like someone who weighs 75 bucks at Walmart and regrets it, only to find that exact amount of money on the ground two days later. 
or manifesting positive or negative things based off of one's daily thoughts, like the law of attraction, though I'm positive the law of attraction only goes so far. Bad stuff can happen to anyone, even Buddha, and he was the most positive thinker who ever existed. Pain is unavoidable, but suffering is optional. Still, it's good to think positive, especially based off the holographic principles of the mind and synchronicity. I just don't want anyone to think that if they think positive, nothing bad will ever happen to them again, because they're only going to be disappointed. The more interesting thing about psychologist Keith Floyd's words about consciousness shaping the hologram is the underlining statement that consciousness is separate from the holographic universe, aka the simulated reality, aka the matrix. And this I can totally get behind completely. It's crazy how, at the present time, we can never know the true nature of the quantum universe. Many renowned physicists have said that if you truly understand the double-slit experiment, then you understand all of quantum physics. Essentially, physicists say that this holographic, seemingly 3D universe is actually 2D, not 3D. The 2D part of all that is, is projected like a hologram giving the illusion of 3D. Many things led to this conclusion, but most physicists came to this conclusion by the study of black holes. It was discovered mathematically that anything that becomes enraptured by a black hole has a copy smeared about the surface of the black hole, but it's compressed and flattened, similar to how information is stored within computers. So whatever is sucked into a black hole essentially exists in whatever form or whatever way inside the black hole, and also on its surface in a 2D compression, stored just like code in a hard drive. Theoretically, you could take that data that's on the black hole surface and remake whatever that data was back in 3D form. And since black holes follow the same rules as space within the black hole and outside of it, essentially that means that everything can be coded and stored in this manner. You, your cat, your fridge, your car, whatever. It's all actually 2D being projected like a hologram to give the illusion of the third dimension. And everything in its true form is compressed code. <laughs> this is a lot to wrap the head around. I think I mostly understand, but it's still pretty baffling. What I don't understand isn't the theorizing, it's all the math stuff. But I've always been horribly inept at math. This all seems nuts, even absurd, but then the minds behind this research give pause to doubt, because they're some of the most brilliant minds who have ever lived and are alive today. The physicists renowned and revered across the spectrum of the scientific community, which is a notorious community for witch hunts, and their research changes the fundamentals of what people think reality really is. There is no material world. All matter is formless, empty, vibrational wave energy in its natural form, only becoming solid when being interacted with, measured, or viewed by a conscious being, with people's minds literally bringing form to the world around them. But even by bringing form to reality, the mere act of seeing creates a rabbit hole to fall down in, with what we see merely being electrical signals in our brains. No human who has ever lived has ever seen anything. It's just a copy stitched together by the brain. So yeah, not only hypothetically, but objectively, no one has ever seen anything. And what people call sight is just an advanced form of visualization and imagination. Meaning, even what we think we see, touch, or hear isn't real. 
just electric pulses in our brains. Even the space of vast distances is false. You could be staring miles up at a plane passing overhead, but that plane isn't far away. It's inside your mind. It's literally impossible to see the real plane. Just like the room around you, or wherever you are, you're not inside that room. That room is inside of you. You look at your hand and your body, and even they're beyond the ability to perceive, but only exist in your mind. All is mind. Humans are incapable of experiencing external worlds. Matter has no existence outside of the mind. Matter and thoughts indistinguishable and the same. Some physicists say that, in this sense, it's logical to wake up from a dream and consider life a different but longer dream. The all of everything in existence is mental. What if you woke from real life right now like waking from a dream? According to physicists, it's not unlogical to assume the only thing that's real is your consciousness itself. Everything else is just a perception formed in the brain. When somebody looks up to a starry night sky, the whole of the universe they can perceive exists only within the mind. So technically, the universe is inside you. The observer, the I, the mojo of what makes you, you, what's this will behind the curtain of illusion? St. Francis of Assisi said, and I quote, What we search for is the one that sees, end quote. Since there's no material reality, some physicists have called the I within all people the soul, which uses the brain to experience this holographic existence. But most simply go with consciousness as the term of the I in us all that's separate from the holographic universe or simulated reality or the matrix. Since the laws of physics pretty much prove that matter is an illusion, it's nice to know that there's something that is real. In the book, The Universe and Dr. Einstein, Author Lincoln Barnett states, and I quote, Along with the philosopher's reduction of all objective reality to a shadow world of perceptions, scientists have become aware of the alarming limitations of man's senses. End quote. So you can imagine the cosmic joke on people who claim to only believe what they can see, when in truth, they've never seen anything. The holographic universe theory is really fascinating. Don't get me wrong, though, I'm not a full believer despite overwhelming evidence. But I do find the whole subject intriguing and have studied it off and on for a while. I hope you found it interesting too. I like the fact that the physicists' proposals based off their research mirrors a lot of ancient wisdoms and philosophies. Different words, same thing. Most people just have more questions when they learn about the scientific universe. Like if the universe is a simulation and the matter that forms the building blocks to that simulation is proven to have mathematical code like a computer, then who made the simulation? Why was it made? What's the purpose for our consciousness being here? And my answers to those questions are... Yeah, I don't know. Yo, thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles Episode 3. Hope you enjoyed the stuff on the holographic universe. I actually had a lot more that I had to cut out because I just had 
too much stuff to talk about, but there's a lot more to cover. Down the line, I'll get an author to interview on the subject or a physicist, because the holographic universe is too interesting not to come back to again and again. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, as well as all popular host sites and podcast apps. Please leave us a good review on iTunes to help grow the show. Or please visit us at crypticchroniclespodcast.com for full content. If you have any ideas, thoughts, or critiques on the show, please email me at crypticchroniclespodcast.com. I'm your host, Tim Hacker. Thanks for supporting the podcast, but most of all, thanks for listening. See you soon. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, bomb, boom.